1: Hello, everyone. I am Lindsay.
0: And I'm Allie. Welcome to Two Girls One Podcast,
1: where we talk about different communities on the internet and why they're so interesting.
0: So I am back to civilization. Longtime listeners know I just went to Burning Man. New listeners don't don't hate me. I know. I know. It's got some people you hear Burning Man and you throw up a little.
1: That's just judgment. And this is a judgment-free zone, except for all the times that I'm very judgy.
0: Yeah, it's okay (laughs) if Lindsay does it, but anyone else, it's not okay.
1: (laughs) Well, Allie, tell me about your most magical moment and the most, oh my God, I'm in the desert and it smells moment.
0: Great. (laughs) my favorite moments actually were when I was looking at a sculpture and then it turned out the artist was right next to me. And then I had these like long, amazing conversations with the artists. And then there was, there's a, an installation called the Midnight Museum and it had stained glass of all these previous Burning Man art installations. And I ended up meeting this burner who had been going since like the nineties. And he gave me this like little tour and showed me all the pieces that I hadn't seen. And so just those moments were the, were my favorite where I talked to people had been going for a long time, making the art. There was one guy where it turns out I was next to the artist and then he, we, I spent an hour with him and he walked me around to all the nearby sculptures and told me what he knew. And, and then, um, Lee's favorite was definitely the last day. I was like, great. It's my last day. I want to take advantage of it. I slept really well. I was like, I'm going to go out and see all the sculptures that I haven't seen yet. Cause it's impossible to see all of them. So I was going to you know, try to see more. There's, there's like hundreds. And there was a 24-hour dust storm whiteout where you couldn't see two feet in front of you, and it was fucking miserable. And then the story that's the, that I want to tell you guys is that... So this, this year was like magical, beautiful moments, and then like, oh my god, get me the fuck out of here moments. And... Um, <laughs> I, I, you, you know, I love like shenanigans and adventures and climbing sculptures. And Lindsay, I actually think you need to go at some point and you will fucking love it. <laughs> but I met a lot of, a lot more of like this side that I don't like, which is like these woo woo people. So, okay. So there was this guy and I kept running into him, which is kind of wild in basically like a city of 80,000, kept running into him. So the last time I ran into him, he was like, I think I'm energetically drawing you to me. And I was like, cool. I think it's a coincidence.
1: (laughs) (laughs) She's like, you couldn't be energetically repelling me more than by saying that.
0: Yeah. And then he was like, I believe in magic. And I was like, what is that? mean. And he started going on and on about how he thinks there's going to be a universal physical shift in our lifetimes that begins with Burning Man and that Burning Man is a portal. Yes. I was like, all right, this is insane. Whoa. This is insane. So I started, I asked like a couple follow-up questions, but I was like, nothing this person is saying make any sense. You know, it's not making any sense. It's just like a bunch of jargon. Like there was
1: no world in which it was going to make sense.
2: Is this just a wacky guy or was he high at during this Conversation. Kind of I stuff. don't
1: think that his level of highness had anything to do with the beliefs he was sharing. Right. I don't
0: I think, well, let let me let me continue and then we can speculate because I'm not sure. So then in the whiteout, I was like really upset because it was my last day and I really wanted to see some art, so I like biked out anyway, and it was like so stupid I couldn't see anything. Like trying to find some kind of adventure for the final day. And I end up biking back to my camp. It's like fucking miserable. Can't see anything, and then this R V door opens. They're like, Allie, we're in here. And I was so excited and I went inside. And they were like asking me, how was your night last night? What have you been doing? So I said, oh my God, I met the craziest guy. He said this, this, this. It gets dead silent. And they all go, well, you're going to think we're crazy too then. And I was like, what? I like thought they were kidding. And they were like, yeah, Burning Man is a portal and there's going to be a physical shift in our lifetimes. And I was like, what? And then literally this other girl was like, she stressed that it was like literally going to change the universe which was like so insane to me because even if you said it's going to change the earth that's already crazy but the universe (laughs) is so fucking big we don't know anything about it you know it's so vast it's so unexplored for you to say it's going to cause a shift in the universe like i was like get me the fuck out of here and then i was like how do i (laughs) but how do i get out of here i can't Say, oh, I'm going to go back out in this whiteout. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how to leave this situation. And they, like, four of them were all in agreement. Like, I'm the crazy person. And they're like, there's all this energy here. Like, how could you not think that this energy is going to create something? Like, this is a portal. And, like, again, I, like, sort of asked a follow up question, but I was like, this makes. Absolutely no sense.
1: Allie, you just have to be more open.
0: Or do a lot more acid. Like, I don't know. Yeah, uh, you were on
1: the wrong drugs that day, girl.
0: I, that's the other thing is like, I was telling Matt before you arrived, like, you know, and the audience, I, have to, I have like a good psychedelic now and then. So, so does Lindsay. They, they were doing like every drug every day. And it was just like. Wait. What do you mean they were doing every drug every day? That's
2: not safe. (laughs) They had a chart ticking off everyone alphabetically.
0: No, I mean, literally it was like ketamine, acid, shrooms, Adderall, like everything. And I was just like, this is not for me. And there's, so there's a huge rave scene at Burning Man. And I, I mean, they were all very nice to me, but it was like, some of them, like, I don't even know if they saw the art. They were just going to DJ after DJ after DJ. And I was just like, this art is so beautiful. And so striking in the landscape of the desert. And you cannot see it in this way anywhere else in the world. And a lot of it ever. Like, it goes into storage. It gets literally burned. Like, the art mm. is unbelievable. And it's like, <laughs> I can go see a fucking DJ in L.A. Like, I don't. Right. I mean, yeah. granted, if you really love the rave scene, like, it is a spectacular. It is It is a spectacular environment in a lot of ways. And But anyway, so, Lindsay, I I don't think I'm going to go back unless I have a primary buddy. And I do think you would love it. And so if you want to go in the future, that's when I will go again. Also, I usually go with my friend Mike and he couldn't go this year. I don't think I'm going to go back unless Mike, can go.
1: I don't know Mike, but I'm also committed to him. No. I'm just yeah.
0: Kidding. Well he's also <laughs> a Patreon kidding. supporter. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. But, you know, it just need people on the same page as me. Like I love my solo adventures at Burning Man and I had a lot of friends there, but it's hard to meet up with people. Like I need a buddy at my camp. But they are really trying to improve the like BIPOC situation. Like this was the first time in the guidebook that there was a whole BIPOC section. There did seem to be a lot more people of color. There was a lot of talk about like how do we like get uh, you know be more inclusive and get other people experiencing this and it's just shenanigans like I went to this printmaking thing where you print make your genitals
1: (laughs) of course yes
0: so my Mm -hmm. friend Morgan he's like my childhood friend and he's kind of like my brother and I was like this seems like a good family friendly activity so they put ink on you and then they like put this paper on you like it's like Japanese printmaking of your genitals (laughs) wow I think my favorite thing is I saw this game where you where people put on strap-ons and then they have little um, ping pong balls velcroed on his testicles and then you have to whack off the other person's ping pong <laughs> balls with your with your strap-on dick. So there's okay, a lot this of, like, sounds
1: like a very good like bachelor bachelorette party game. This you know you're right. You were always trying to find like sort of naughty games that you can play that are still like fun, but not You're right.
0: That's such a good one. That sounds like
1: a lot more pleasant than actual strippers. I've been to lots of, I mean, not lots, not like I'm going to a bachelorette party every weekend, but the stripper's never the move, bro. I mean, at least not for my friends because Mm -hmm. we're just very awkward people. And the way we like to be intimate is like sitting very closely to each other And like talking about Voltaire, it's not watching a stranger we don't know dance half naked. That's like, that's a distance thing. That's not an intimate situation. And then when it's in your intimate space and your intimacy is like playing board games, it's weird. It's always like the friend from work who got the stripper. And you're like, (laughs) no, Carol, this was not, Re-room. why didn't you ask someone, Carol?
2: No, but let's level this up. Level this up. Can y'all write a movie uh, called The Bachelorette Party? And it is about Carol from work, but she's but she's got a wild side. And she's like, come to my bachelor party. You're like, yeah, we'll support you. And then it's at Burning Man and nobody wants to be there except her. And so it's Allie's experience of like, eh, what am I doing here? And it's Lindsay's experience of like, this is not for me, but you're there to support Carol. And it's crazy. And that's the movie.
1: Well, actually, if it's more likely that my friends would have a very successful bachelorette party at Burning Man. It's <laughs> unlikely. Like, the, the weird ones are like, okay, we rented our own suite and we literally went hiking all day while carol from work set up this suite we come back and there is a stripper and we're like carol <laughs>
2: <laughs> carol you think we it's board are, games
1: d- we are dirty we're trying to have pool time and we are going to play boggle quietly while <laughs> listening to debussy what We're about to do shrooms, Carol. We don't want to take shots out of this dildo. This is off. The vibe is off, Carol.
0: Here's another thing I'll say, which is that my friend is an artist and a lot of her friends are artists. And so at Her Bachelorette, there was a um, nude model and we drew him. That was a good vibe. Oh, that's so we had
1: the nudity, but it was all us sitting quietly and drawing him. Wow, that's such a good one. Wow, mm. that is truly nailed it. That is actual.
2: Yeah, that is the thinking's the thinking man's. Bachelorette party. Yes. You know. yeah.
0: And it was all art. I mean, I drew just like a basic, like stick figure. I can't fucking draw. But everyone else was so into it. But this guy was such a fucking good sport. He had like multiple costumes. He let us be totally ridiculous. We asked him all kinds of questions. We're friends on Instagram now.
2: Oh, that's great. I this wrote is him a correct. review.
0: So actually, if you were looking for a nude model for your bachelorette party and you live in Southern California, let me know because uh, Yoni is the best.
1: Oh my God. Yes. Obviously, I would be into a nude model named Yoni. It was like a bunch of Jews. And of
0: course, this like guy named Yoni pops up. I'm not going to say his whole name because I don't know if he cares or not. But I have a great male model for you if you are interested (laughs)
1: listeners. Oh,
0: my God. He has such a good sense of humor. He let us take all kinds of like insane pictures while he was naked.
1: (laughs) I am here for it.
0: Actually, one of them is on my Facebook profile. I asked him first. Oh, and one of them is on my hinge. And I told him like he's I'll let I'll let him know if I get any dates because of him being naked on my profile.
2: (laughs) Thanks, Uh, Yoni. Speaking of drawing art, I Uh, think we we got to pivot into this episode, right?
1: Great segue. I mean, yes, but also speaking of bachelorettes, guys, I just I just officiated my first wedding. Listeners might remember that I was laid up with COVID. And it was awkward because nobody gives a shit about COVID anymore. And I am here isolating for 10 days to protect the world from things they don't want to be protected from. <laughs> and then I I tested negative the day before the rehearsal dinner. I tested negative again the day of the rehearsal dinner. So I'm fully COVID-free, Officiated my first wedding for my friends, Deanna and Chris. And it was beautiful. And it was very, very hot in Temecula wine country, but it was still beautiful. <laughs> Excellent.
2: That's major. Yeah.
1: So it's I just wanted moment. to humble brag, Reverend Lindsay Ford, you're welcome. Love it. Love
0: it. Wait, Lindsay, how did the officiating go?
1: People are always like, a ring is has no beginning and no end, and I found this thing where it was like, rings actually do have a beginning and it's really hard. Like You have to dig in the ground to find a specific precious metal, then you have to melt it at a super hot temperature, then you have to form it, and then it becomes a beautiful ring through all that hard work and effort just like a relationship, mm-hmm. boom boom, mommy, mommy. Nice. Love look it.
0: at you. Look at you. So, okay, today we are looking at VR. So, the opposite of Burning Man, where I had no cell service at all. <laughs> but um, as you guys know from our Kmart episode, I am I'm f- I fully drunk. The VR Kool Aid. <laughs> I am drunk, and so we're looking at there's there's sort of a phenomenon. I think it will continue to grow of museums in VR. And again, if you haven't tried VR yet, I just can't even express how immersive it is. Like you are in another world. We're going to talk to the Museum of Other Realities, which is cool because it's really kind of using the medium, right? Like you can speak and art appears you can travel through infinite art you can shrink yourself down to walk inside the art like it's wild i can't wait to try it but matt i think you did try it while i was off in the desert yeah
2: yeah museum of other realities is one of my favorite vr experiences and i have not done a ton of vr but this is very special and yeah you nailed it it's 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 like it's curating 3d artwork from a variety of creators and the the museum is always updating and changing and adding new stuff so you can visit you can visit it socially like vr chat so you can go in there with strangers or with friends and you just feel present in the museum. You feel like, you know, when you speak, your, your voice echoes a little bit, like you can hear your own voice as if you were in the halls of a large museum You can go inside of a sculpture or there's stuff that's like, oh, here's a bunch of like colorful orbs. And if you touch them, they scatter and you can kind of throw them and, and push them. And I, I don't know, it's like, a, it's like a sensory museum for kids, but, but amped up to 11 with VR. Like here's a sculpture of a, of a pond and it's these beautiful psychedelic trees and it's all 3d and it's, and it's like, it's a sculpture. It's right in front of you. And then you drink a potion and you you shrink down Alice in Wonderland style. And then you walk into it and you're inside this um, psychedelic natural landscape and you're hearing frogs croaking and birds chirping and you're looking up at the trees instead of looking down at them.
0: I want to try to convey is that I don't care for video games. I've never been into video games. It It's not that for, for me, I think. Like, I mean, of course, gaming is huge in VR, but like, I guess what I want to get across is like, I think before I tried, I thought that it was kind of like video games. I don't know, like just like more more of that. But like, to me, it is visiting another planet.
1: I yes. think it's more like, actually the way you feel when you're in a very good VR recreation is you feel like how you feel when you're reading a very good book you're immersed in it in a way that like it's surrounding you and when you're in a book you're it's you're creating it all with your mind right but you can really feel it you can really sense what's going on Mm -hmm. and I think that VR situations create that visually where it's like my mind is creating what my body is feeling because of how vivid what I'm seeing is. That's it.
0: Yeah, I mean, when I'm when I was in it, it was like weird to me that there was an outside world as well. That I was like, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, because so- you cl- you are closed off from the outside world, and and you're right, Ali. There are, I mean, as we have it today, there are two thrusts of VR. One, it's mostly led by gaming, and there's some amazing experiences. I I love video, video games, and mm-hmm. being inside of one is is unbelievable. And then the other one is, Nerd. is, is social <laughs> is the <this> social <laughs> VR, which, you know, the tech bros of the world are, are betting on this metaverse, which doesn't really exist, but so, VR chat is the social metaverse that we think is, you know, coming or that we want. And these are sort of like cultural social experiences where you can be there with other people, or you can just get the, get in there for the artwork, um, for art's sake. And all of it is, is pretty rad.
1: I'm excited.
2: We shall return after this important message from our sponsors. Why, hello there, you fine beautiful people. And by people, I mean listeners. And by listeners, I mean you. Thank you so much for supporting this show, not just financially, at patreon.com 2G1P, but with your ears, by listening to it, by sharing it, by talking with us and being part of our community, uh, in our discord and our Facebook page and on social medias, you make this show possible. Like it, it just it, it doesn't exist. It doesn't have a form unless you are there being part of it. So we salute you. Uh, it's been a wild week. Uh, in terms of scheduling and technical challenges. We actually had two interviews lined up for this week's show, uh, but we could not get both of them done for a variety of complicated reasons. And I bring that up not to not to uh, cry about it, although I, I certainly did, but to say that uh, even making a, a relatively straightforward show like this one where we, we chat about cool stuff and interview cool people, it is complicated. And it doesn't happen without your generous support. So we'd like to thank Patreon supporters at the $10 or more level. The reason I'm you're hearing my voice instead of Allie and Lindsay's is because we did not even get to record the Patreon thank yous. That's how cuckoo this week has been. So I am here to say thank you to Kelsey Murray, Jessica Kybell, Ken M, Wesley Cordell, William, Kathy Phillips, Jerry Duran, Jessica Fox, and Melissa Elliott, thank you so much for contributing at the $10 or more level. And thank you to every single contributor uh, at any level of the Patreon. And of course, those who contribute uh, silently with your ear holes. We really appreciate you. And uh, we're just thrilled to be doing the show. Stick around. We're coming back to something really cool. I think you'll enjoy it.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome our guest, Robin Stethem, the co creator of the Museum of Other Realities. Robin, welcome. Hey, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. We're so excited to have you here. Now, we were asking you to explain a little bit about how you would describe the Museum of Other Realities. Could you? Tell us how you are currently describing it.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's a place where you can come together with others and experience the sort of latest and greatest of virtual reality art. But what I like to think of it as just like a common space that features new media. I think a lot of the time, anytime you have a piece of artwork, it's an opportunity to connect people over it. And so that's sort of what we do in a virtual space online that you can visit uh, from a headset anywhere in the world.
1: Okay, now how did you come to create this? Like, What kind of art were you working in when you were like, okay, this is where we need to sort of be showcasing these creations?
3: Yeah. So I um, wasn't an artist before this. I was an industrial designer and I was working on a variety of sort of consumer electronics. A friend of mine, Colin, asked if I could do the sign for what at the time was called there. And it was going to be just this collection of, there was a lot of like really quirky small VR experiences in the start of VR, but there wasn't really, you know, you couldn't just package that one little. I remember there was an experience where you were peeling jello off a of Buddha, and that was it. The whole thing, you just go in there <laughs> and you just peel the jello. And like, it's not something people are going to pay five bucks for or something you can even really describe in a way that might get people to download it. But what we wanted to do was, um, package these experiences, you know, four or five at a time and have a quarterly kind of issue, sort of like a magazine uh, place you could go and you could just experience these small, uh, interesting standalone experiences. And so we did a couple of those. Uh, and then in one of them, we, we were kind of like, well, what, what can we do, you know, when people aren't in the experience? And another friend of ours, uh, Max Weisel, who runs a company called Normal, he has a social, sort of like a multiplayer tool uh, that worked really well with VR. So we rigged up this room outside of the experiences. They were just doors you'd go through and then the experiences would start. There was just this room and you could stand in the room and talk to other people. And I think at the time people were just three cubes. Your hands were cubes and your head was cubes. So it was all these cubes just talking to each other in this room. And and then we're kind of thinking like, well, what can we put in the room? And there was some wacky art that a couple of our friends had had produced people are standing around and talking and we realized that they were spending more time outside of those you know four or five experiences standing around the art than they were in it and so then that kind of pushed us towards you know what if it was just a space full of vr art you could access it from anywhere and you could hang out with your with your friends and colleagues in the space
1: it's kind of like Ali's favorite parts of Burning Man I was just thinking that this But is like, without yeah. the dirt And huh. the woo-woo people You're right, holy crap <laughs> Yeah, it
0: is It's yeah. It, I love weird, interactive, conceptual art This is like my fav- favorite part of Burning Man, for sure um, Which is one of the reasons why You can visit Patreon.com slash 2G1P To help me get a VR headset Anyway um, <laughs> So, I'm sorry, there was one thing you just said That I was a little bit confused by You said people were not were spending more time around the art than in the art?
3: They were spending more time outside of those um, standalone experiences than they were in the experiences themselves. Uh, So, you know, they were spending time in that empty room where we're all just cubes uh, with a couple pieces of art uh, to, to look at kind of conversational focal points. I mean, I think more broadly, when you think about what a piece of art is, I look at it in the context of like, meaning is made between the subject and the object so the viewer has a pretty large role in making the art what it is you know by interpreting it however they may and then when you introduce two people and a piece of art again it serves as like this this focal point or like a like a tuning fork to kind of get everyone on a frequency and discussing something you know art's always done that but What we found was that the art we featured in our space was working really well uh, in doing that and getting people to come together and kind of get them talking.
0: So you're saying you were inspired by how much people were hanging out to discuss the art?
3: Yeah, they were discussing the art in in as many words. The art was providing like a a starting point for conversations. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: I think about it like a third space, which is... You've got your work and you've got your home. And then the third space is where you go to be with people. And that could be, you know, a bar or a coffee shop or a dance club or uh, an art gallery, I think, for a lot of people. So we we kind of started to realize that this thing we were building had become like a digital third space without us really intending it to. You know, we realized that people were coming to the space to be there with others over that sort of new media that we were showcasing.
1: Wow. So what are the things that have surprised you about the way that people gather in this new space that you've created?
3: We're constantly surprised. That's why I like doing this work. I think (laughs) when we get into something with an artist, we have like a broad sense of how their work might be made accessible to the public, but we're not sure exactly. And then we get into this process of adapting it and seeing how people react to it. I mean, one thing that surprised me that I never thought about before is that physical forces scale with size, which should have been obvious to me, but wasn't. So we had a feature where you could pull out glasses and drink them and it would make you different sizes.
1: Mm.
3: Oh my God. <laughs> I love that. You drink a martini and it makes you tiny and you drink a Long Island iced tea and it makes you a giant. What we noticed was we had the same force of gravity for you when you're a giant or when you're tiny you perceive that 9.81 meters per second as much quicker when you're very small and much slower when you're very large i mean it's kind of like a, a bane uh, insight but but if you're 100 feet tall and you throw something it looks like moon gravity because of how large you are and how you perceive the force of gravity <laughs> i think like when you start to change things like that and you allow people to interact at different scales or um interact as different types of creatures with different qualities and capabilities or or allow them to step inside a landscape painting, you just find that people adapt incredibly quickly to it. Like they are surprised and delighted for a minute, but then what you see emerging is a new way of just a new mode of being and interaction that people kinda of slip right into and and are able to adopt and develop all kinds of, you know, idiosyncrasies for that you never you never would have expected. So yeah, I'd say, I mean, I'm maybe not the best answer to your question, but we're constantly surprised. Okay. Nice. I think
0: that's unbelievable. <laughs> I love, I love that because you have to think up not only things that don't exist, but that are not physically possible in the real world. So, um, <laughs> just to give our listeners a bit more of co- a bit more context, what are some of the top exhibitions that you've had so far in the museum?
3: One sticks out in my mind. It was in the middle of the pandemic and, uh, some friends of ours had made this piece called friend generator and it was wonderfully simple <laughs> which i love it, it when something doesn't require a lot of resources to get the point across it's kind of like you know using very few brush strokes to to make a painting it's interesting so the, it, this was as simple as there's this cube of space and when you step into the cube you change into a, a particular type of avatar and then what happens is another avatar spawns that is a recording of you every few seconds so it becomes this space where you know if you're in there with one person or two people or five people you're all seeing um, recordings of yourselves following you so you get this sense of how you move through the space and you get to see your own body language and kind of get get chased around by yourself but it was really interesting to see kind of like a a temporal representation of yourself and and your friends and your colleagues. And it really makes me think about uh, how we move through the world and how we aren't necessarily very aware of our own sort of posture or gesture. And this, mm. this records it and shows it to you.
0: How is it different from watching a video of yourself?
3: Well, so something I noticed immediately being in VR is that when we watch a video or we sit across from someone on a Zoom call, I think for some reason a lot of again, our posture and our gesture is lost. We are very, very incredibly good uh, instinctually at reading. When someone's standing across from you, there's so much that goes into the way that they're standing. And a lot of these experiences only track your head and your hands. And even through those three points, you're, you're able to interpolate so much about someone's someone's affect, I guess you could mm-hmm. say, that, that it really informs the conversation. And being able to stand around us, you know, stand in a circle like you would at a party and, and see a, sort of a digital representation of the way that everyone else is standing. It communicates a lot. I think I like to say that we are more perceptive, but less reflective than we think we are. We notice a lot, but I think that we aren't very good at understanding or describing what it is we notice precisely. I mean, I think when we watch a movie and you're kind of sitting outside of what's happening, you can kind of see people's body language. But in a more social situation, like, for example, people talk over one another on Zoom calls a lot. I find that happens a lot less in VR if you're standing around a circle because of those subtle nonverbal cues.
1: Wow. I never really thought about that. But yeah, so much is lost in Zoom when you can't see everybody. But I also... Can't imagine what it'll be like if work from home starts to be in a virtual space and everybody's just like having all of their meetings virtually.
0: It will be. The next pandemic will be hanging out in VR. And frankly, I think that'll be much better than than the last pandemic.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. But also, it is a little bit freeing to just only have your face in a box, right? The things you're describing make it seem true that you're you're a little bit more vulnerable in a vr space like the things that you were saying can be determined just from the way your head and your hands move what can be determined about you as a person is interesting
0: and i was surprised when i was in vr recently how responsive how much i did pick up on body language in vr
3: yeah you need to put tools in place so that people feel comfortable it's it's much easier to violate someone's personal space in vr than it is in a zoom call but there's also you can put controls in place to to make that harder but i think it's also interesting to see it might seem like uh you're putting yourself out there more in vr but i think that there's also the opportunity to shape the way that you represent yourself in that space you know to 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 put on a mask if you will i remember (laughs) i was uh, going into a colleague's experience one time a while back and there was just this random guy who was made – he wasn't a tiger. He was made of tigers, just like <laughs> <laughs> probably 20 or 30 tigers put together. And so yes. then we're talking to this tiger person, and another person comes by, and I don't know what it was that day, but this person's made of multiple – like they're not a crane, but multiple cranes stuck together. And I, I don't know. I, I just thought it was interesting that <laughs> when you can do that, and if you think about doing things like – if you're feeling uncomfortable and you make yourself a giant, does it change the way that you feel standing in that circle? I'm quite tall in the real world, so a lot of the time I'll I'll kind of like adopt a deep splits when I'm standing speaking to people because I want to look them in the eye. But in the museum, we were able to change it so that you could adapt your height. And if you want to be a tall person, you could be a tall person. If you want to be shorter, you could be shorter. And um, Ooh,
1: have you ever done the shorter?
3: Oh, yeah, always. Because I like being able to, <laughs> again, you know, like... It's nice to be able to look people in the eyes as opposed to, it's funny, we're so complicated, but we're so simple. If I meet someone who's taller than me, I really notice it because it doesn't happen a lot. And so I think about how that affects other people. And if you can mitigate that, that's not such a bad thing.
1: I'm very, very small. And I like. I think the only time I've ever met someone smaller than me was like, an old Latin American woman. (laughs) like. Would you be a giant in VR? I don't know. But the thing that, how Robin was saying, you do the deep splits. I like to stand on things all the time. I'm like constantly standing in a chair. I like to stand higher to make myself closer to eye level for most people. So I probably would try to be taller. I also am like very note when couples are the same height. And I'm like, ah, it must be so nice to just kiss someone without permission. Like you they're your person. (laughs) Without asking. Well I mean without a chair. I have to always yeah. I've 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 not always dated giant people, but like a lot of my like formative relationships were with tall people. And I was like, wow, I like have to always ask him, be like, hey, I'm down here like ready for a kiss and they have to like (laughs) come to me, you know? So I feel like I would probably Want to do that in VR, but that's then. Lindsay, kissing. there's actually
0: uh, someone sent this to me before I left for Burning Man. There's now VR dating. There's like you could, you can meet in VR. I might go do that once I get my headset.
1: That's hard enough in regular life.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. So we we I I personally kind of interrupted you. So you were talking about some of your favorite exhibits. Um, so what were the other ones?
3: One of them is interesting because of how big it is. We have the ability to like effectively step through a portal into another dimension. So it allows us to put um, basically doors to very large pieces uh, in small spaces. And then this particular piece is, I think, 11 kilometers in diameter. With that space, we had to kind of think about how can we make this? It's a, basically an abstract painting. I love that. Yeah, it, it was something mm-hmm. that... Um, my colleagues went to bat for and they were like we need to include this. It's very very large and and so the some of the things that we did to make it more accessible. So when you step through the door you can fly uh and you can fly really really fast relative to <laughs> the museum like if you were to fly at that speed the door is extremely large so you can basically go around in a circle and zip back through the door and your momentum carries you all the way, you know, across the room uh just as you're slowing down. With that piece between that ability to fly and you can sort of leave a trail behind yourself as well so that other people have a sense of where you're going uh, and they don't so easily get lost. It it kind of allows you to explore this space that is uh, yeah, quite large, 10 10 kilometers is decent. And then, you know, we have numerous landscape pieces which are kind of small dioramas. We allow people to jump down into them, so you can kind of become a tiny person in that diorama. And then, uh, you know, a sky pops up and Basically, you're in that world, and, and people standing outside of it can see you as a small person, you can see them as a large person. You can use those glasses I was talking about earlier as like a hot tub, sort of, uh, <laughs> because of the difference in scale. We have another piece that's uh, particle simulation. On a sort of meta level, it, it makes me think about how we experience the world in parallel with others. But So we have this particle simulation that happens on the GPU. It's very complicated, so we can't actually network it. But what we can do is provide initial conditions and forces that pull this ball of particles back into a similar shape for everyone in the space, and then we network everyone's hands. You're seeing the effect of their actions on your particle ball, and they're seeing the effect of your and their actions on their ball, but you're, you're both seeing something a little bit different. It's being pulled back together into a similar shape, and it, it makes me think about how, I mean in digital experiences it's it's you take it for granted that you network some things and not others a lot of what happens is what you'd call local uh, and then you network a few simple things in everything we do we perceive it differently than anyone else ever possibly could you know people talk about how like oh maybe the blue that i see is not the blue you see i like to think about how maybe like 1 hour for one person is much longer than 1 hour for another and it would be very, very hard for us to ever reconcile those differences because, you know, like one hour is one hour. And I don't know if you're like a goalie for playing hockey. Maybe you perceive time as passing more slowly, and that's part of why you're so good at catching pucks. That's something we don't necessarily take for granted as much as we should, that everyone perceives everything a little bit differently. And so we can get kind of stuck on our own interpretation of things. We should probably speak more to that in the museum. But but I find it interesting just to think about how, yeah, we have similar initial conditions. But once you get into it, uh, everything's a little bit different for everyone.
2: Just a quick plus one for that particle simulation exhibit. It, it was far and away my my and my daughter's favorite one. We spent a good hour kicking around little glowing orbs and laughing our heads off. It conforms to some sort of physics, but it's not normal physics. So, you, you throw gravity out the window and all of a sudden you're like pushing this particles that feel like jello and you're pushing them around, but then they're smashing back together. Just, I just find find all of that stuff very, very um, existentially fascinating.
1: Robin, what kinds of people do you see mostly coming to visit your museum?
3: We get all kinds of people. I, I love it. It's a great way to introduce people to the medium who haven't been a part of it before. One of our partners like to say it's 8 to 80 is the kind of um, demographic, it's truly the case that, you know, I'll see anything from uh, drunk college boys who are just like, let's try this weird thing. And then you run into them <laughs> and they're talking about, you know, having a deep kind of semi-drunken conversation about something to, you know, we have a whole lot of different types of artists and to to people who, yeah, again, this is their first time in VR, kids, elderly people. My dad actually He has some vision stuff going on now. And for some reason, the VR headset is easier for him to see than uh, like the real world. But one thing it's certainly done for us is attracted a lot of creators and a lot of people who are interested in in the space and what can be done with, you know, new media and the concept of art in general.
0: So, can you tell us more about those creators? like who are they? How are they interacting? and you know how how many different installations have you had so far?
3: We've had a good number, and then during the pandemic, we started showing film festivals, and holy cow, we've shown yeah hundreds of pieces and we showed like cans, Tribeca, and new images. Uh, I think Tribeca, we just finished the third year with them. so we've had the we've had the chance to show an incredible cross-section of those sorts of uh typically standalone experiences we're going to kind of bring it back um to to more of those those permanent installations and spending more time with with uh, individual creators to kind of get to realize their vision on a longer term basis and i'm pretty excited about that it's it's funny that that particle exhibit uh, is made by a fellow from the uk uh, sean tan we met him at a party A long time ago, we would have a party in the space every time we were releasing a new piece. And he came along and he was talking about this thing and he sent us an executable. We tried it. We're like, oh, this is awesome. We're going to have to put it in and figure out how to network it. So uh, that was it.
2: How the hell is all this stuff compatible? Meaning artist A is using this engine and artist B is using Tilt Brush and artist C is using whatever to create that. And some of it is sound activated and some of it is... is a 3d sculpture and some of it's animated and some of it's not someone's like you said sends you a file and you're like how the heck do you get this into your existing 3d space are there compatibility standards for vr art is it maybe a simpler way to ask to ask this question
3: everything you make has to be made with tools that are if you translate them enough legible to a uh, you know any sort of software be it unity or unreal or and there's not a lot of people doing homebrew stuff outside of those two these days because they're quite good tools but we're fortunate that unity is used by enough artists that there's enough of a sort of a community there that most anything that anyone has created with enough effort can be translated to uh to unity to our our platform and now you know we have like a a GitHub repo with a a project that has all our settings, and that helps artists adapt their work even more. But yeah, a lot of the time, you kind of have to look at what someone's done and then look at how you can adapt that. Like with Sean's piece, it's one thing to adapt the particle simulation to the more. I I don't actually think that that was that hard, but then we had to kind of figure out how do we make this uh, multiplayer? And so that's more of an accessibility and more design questions there some stuff it requires external dependencies and it's not possible to integrate which uh, is always heartbreaking unless you want to rebuild right. it
2: right yeah you must have to leave some pro- some projects behind
3: yeah i mean usually it's a matter of like if you put enough effort into it you can just remake anything right but it, it comes down to you know what's what's feasible and reasonable Mm -hmm.
0: you've touched upon all the different sort of magical elements right like you can change size and uh, all of these sorts of things what are other elements that you've played with that literally don't exist in the
3: real world that's tough i don't know there's so many things that exist (laughs) in the real world i'm kind of drawing a blank like what doesn't exist anywhere that exists in the museum um
0: well i i know of one actually like apparently there's art that's infinite right so that's impossible in the real world so what are right don't you, you have infinite art in there
3: It's funny because like we've looked at how you could apply a lot of these things to the real world. I'm not sure if you're familiar with projection mapping, but there are applications where you could use sensors and projection mapping to effectively show what's in the museum in the real world. But, you know, it would be a digital projection uh, and you'd be using like a, a depth sensor to determine where the audience was and what their behavior was. But I mean, we're showing a number of fractals. So there's one we show and it's it's by that Sean Tan fellow again, actually. The fractal is determined by the average position of the hands of everyone in the room. So if everyone lies on the floor, one person can kind of DJ it by moving just their hands. Or if everyone moves their hands all together, it'll change that average position far more dramatically. So you kind of get this collaborative, audience-driven piece. I actually really like pieces like that that are a little more generative, because I think Meaning is made metaphorically between the subject and the object, but I think when you get a more literal representation of that and people's body position or movement it directly affects the the art, it helps to bring that point across you know, more directly in a way that gets people thinking about the more metaphorical side of it, which I like. We have a lot of exhibits that allow you to fly. We have a number of pieces uh, that are Basically, compute shaders and they respond in some cases to like where you point your hands uh, or where the where the viewer is standing in the space. The, the compute shader responds to their presence. Uh, so there's a lot of opportunity for interactivity.
0: What do you mean exactly?
3: Well, there's one room uh, that has a bunch of like what we'd call fish, but it's sort of a waterfall coming from the roof of these fish, and the fish avoid where you point your hands, they flow around them. Uh, and then they also respond to audio from you. If you make a noise uh, that that's reflected in their coloring, they kind of uh, shine iridescently.
1: Mm-hmm. That's cool.
3: Yeah. It's a good room. I think it's called aquarium by Kabibo. Uh, great pieces. And there's Caternary and uh, yeah, a, a variety of audio reactive Pieces that, yeah, also respond to the user's position. The best way I can describe it is you have these invisible rays that come out straight from your hands in a straight line for about a hundred meters, and with those rays, you're able to kind of bat at the fish, and uh, they move around the rays it probably doesn't make a lot of sense to your listeners.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> but... That's amazing. This, this all is so burning to, man to me. Like my favorite pieces at Burning Man are the interactive things. There was one I, there's so many you can't even see them, but there was one apparently this year where if you sink you you all held on to some kind of sensor and if you sink your breathing the whole installation changes which is incredible. So I, I love all of this.
2: Yeah, you would love this, Allie. It, it is made for you. Um, you'll get there one day.
0: Patreon.com slash 2G1P. Help me get a headset. <laughs> is, every,
2: is everything that I would see the same as what Allie would see if she threw on her friend's quest, or, or should, would she want to wait and invest in a more powerful thing?
3: Well, you can plug the quest into a desktop machine right True, now
2: but i don't think yeah ali i don't think you'd have access to I that have necessarily. A
3: laptop that's it <laughs> yeah you need a gaming pc unfortunately a lot of the pieces are very demanding and you know earlier we were talking about compatibility uh, one of the problems with showing it on the quest is that's a whole other layer of um much more restrictive compatibility requirements which requires us effectively to Curate a new museum. There's a lot of the pieces we show we couldn't show on Quest. And I mean, we've kind of slowly been doing that. But, you know, right now, if we were to release the museum on Quest, it would just be empty, which is kind of sad. So,
2: yeah, it's a shame. It brings up interesting discussions about accessibility too. And like, we'll solve this eventually when, you know, your phone is your VR headset and you just pop it on, you know, or, or you, everyone has glasses or something. But, you know, you really can't access this beautiful art without you know a two thousand dollar gaming computer yeah yeah
0: because basically you're saying i can't fully experience it yet unless i go to matt's house
2: yeah come on over the plane ticket alone will cost you the uh <laughs> yeah the,
0: the, the same the, as the, the price of entry
2: yeah <laughs>
0: Nah, i get free flights on JetBlue. <laughs> thanks matt
1: and ian robin obviously you're committed to sharing art in this way and why do you think like moving forward People should look to try to interact with art in this way.
3: Well, I think a lot of what we're doing with digital technology right now is dividing people. And because of the things we choose to give our attention to and because there's this constellation of things that are available, we tend to gravitate towards um, negative emotions and interactions. And I think that what we're doing with the more is looking at ways of interacting and ways of being with people that are positive. And not to say that we're the only ones doing that, but I think that this, these sort of digital modes of being in the world, they offer a lot of positives too. And I think we need to look at what those can be. And a lot of the times it's, uh, yeah, that sort of digital new media, doing things we couldn't possibly do before, bringing people together in ways we couldn't bring them together before. I love that. Well,
1: thank you so much for stopping by. And Allie and I are going to try to get headsets from somewhere to experience it. (laughs)
0: 100%.
3: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for having me. And if you ever do come by the museum, give me a shout and uh, I'd be happy to give you a tour. Oh, for sure.
1: So it was really cool to talk to Robin because it sounds like what like a lot of art and and art mediums are moving towards anyway. Like, it sounds like there's a perfect opportunity for Robin to collaborate with Meow Wolf. Allie, have you been to Meow Wolf? I have, and I was underwhelmed.
2: What is that? <laughs> I've never Which one did you
1: go to? Okay, so Meow Wolf is like this experience where they're kind of trying to take like a museum and a like physical, like interactive art show and make it feel kind of... um What's that show where the girl is mythi- missing and Kyle McLaughlin was in it?
2: Uh, Twin Peaks. Uh, Twin, Twin Peaks. Peaks, yeah. Not they, they, Fargo? No.
1: Yeah, they yeah. try to make it feel like Twin Peaksy or like a little Stranger Thingsy. They They want it to feel like a mystery, but it's mm-hmm. also an interactive art show and like a museum because it's stationary sort of thing.
2: Yeah. I, I, oh, is, there sounds like in that there's like a storyline loosely yes, that you're Yes, but it's following. very
1: weak. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very weak and hard to grasp. Um, but yeah, which one did you go to, Allie? The one in I went New Mexico? in
0: New Mexico and my yeah. friend even said, don't bother with the storyline. It's just going to take up your time and be unsatisfying.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> I also think this VR art situation has no comparison. And that's what I think is so incredible. Like we're witnessing the birth of a new form that is incomparable to anything we've seen. And that's what blows my mind about it.
2: You can't fly in real, in a real art exhibition. Like, I'm sorry, there's nothing you can do about that, but you can in a VR museum. And that's, that's the difference. I think, you know, one of the differences,
1: man, it's so cool. We live in the future and that's pretty rad.
2: Almost. We're almost there. Like as Ali's pointing out, it's like, a headset is expensive, but it's getting it's getting easier to get. But then it's like, you know, th- this example is not really compatible with like an Oculus. With but everything, it, it will be, yeah. But it's not there yet. So there's an there's an accessibility. We're, we're on the gap brink. There, of the we're future. on the brink. Yes, yeah. yes, for yeah. sure. As
0: everyone has heard, I have drunk the VR Kool Aid, and <laughs> I'm very and, excited to explore all these places. It was also weird when I was in the Kmart. VR space that like I moved like a Neanderthal, like I couldn't move, and you could see <laughs> like I literally moved like blah, you know, but you could <laughs> see everyone around me moving so fluidly because they'd spent so much time there and they know how to do it, and it was wild. Like the guy who created the VR Kmart, uh, he was like, move. They can move their fingers. It was so responsive. It was insane, yeah. and I, I was like, How do "I move my body." We'll I was like Give walking it. through fucking jello, you know.
2: But, but as performers, theatrical performers, what did you think about what Robin was saying? About one specific exhibit was like. Oh, you step into this box and it duplicates your body language so that you're then like looking around at clones of yourself and yeah. you're seeing your own movement, your own body movement in your case, well, Allie, it li- like, As
0: listeners heard at first, I was like, I see my body movement in a video. And it was like right. t- I was totally forgetting the whole thing that blew my mind, which is like, no, but this is 3D. This is like you're it's, it's, your, it's like, it like is you're standing <laughs> next, to you. next to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Which That's right. Next to I yourself. would probably yeah. be very horrified by my posture, which I already know is bad. And mm-hmm. you know, maybe it would be the the kick that I need to fucking stand up straight. But well,
1: what I would be interested in is interested in I've I've spoken mm. English before. Whatever. Um <laughs> I notice the things like the small habits that all of my friends have in their mm-hmm. body language, their posture, like people who touch the tip of their nose a lot for Whatever reason Because they're who liars like, they're Yeah Ali does this funny Shoulder shrug thing A lot When she's like thinking And <laughs> I do I, uh, All the time And I think it's crazy That you You sound like You're just hearing this For the first time Is Wait, that I true? I a
0: shoulder shrug, shrug yeah, you're you Yeah you
1: do one shoulder At a time You like move mm. Your shoulder Like up towards your ear Oh your... no
0: But the, is that because I have shoulder pain And I'm always fidgeting With one of my shoulders <laughs> Are you confusing it, that For the fact that I like Have a fucked up shoulder? Because it, that I know
1: It's likely because of your fucked up shoulder, but you're, you do it a lot when you're thinking and talking at the same time. So it happens. Mm. It's, it's probably both things. You know what I mean?
0: Um, if any listeners are out there are like a chiropractor, I (laughs) could use some help or like anyone. (laughs) Have you done acupuncture um, before? I've never done it. It hasn't really helped. Honestly, I had, um, some kind of massage therapist tell me that at this point, um, It's your life. It's yeah. (laughs) Anyway, um, just just get a wheelchair is what they say. Yeah, yeah, well, and also like I turtle my neck, and he was like, "Your neck muscles are so weak at this point that you're
1: like, (laughs) oh my god, (laughs) what does that even mean?" I don't know.
0: I have some work (gasps) today to do. Who wants to go rock climbing tonight? I don't know. Um, anyway,
1: (laughs) my toe is finally better, so when I get back, we can go rock climbing.
0: Oh good. Oh, that's very exciting to me. But anyway, you were saying.
1: I don't oh, I wanna know I wanna know what my weird body thing is. Like what is right. the thing that I'm always doing? Oh yeah, that you're other people I can tell you. Oh, tell you're, me, tell me, tell you're, me. <laughs> you're really short.
0: Rude! Oh. That was so
1: rude. I was so excited.
0: I was like, I don't think <laughs> you don't have out. like a weird
1: I don't think you have like a weird like habit or tick. I don't know the about The only thing that. I know is that I straighten my glasses with one finger on the side and someone once told me, Oh, that's a very nobody straightens their glasses like that. <laughs> So hmm, funny. that's my only thing I know. Yeah, But these are the things that we
0: will find out about ourselves
1: in the virtual world. <laughs>
0: if you are having fun in VR, let us know where we can hang out with you. What worlds are you hanging out in? Are you going to go to this museum? Have you been to other museums? Let us know. I'm at Allie underscore Goldie across social media
1: including Venmo. Ooh. <laughs> I am at the Lindsay life L I N D S E Y L I F E across all platforms, not including Venmo.
0: You can also email us at 2G1podcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail. That number is 347-871-6548.
2: Seven. Seven, that number again,
0: 347 871 eight. We won't pick up, so don't be afraid. But if your voicemail's fun, we will play it on the air you can also hop into our discord discord.gg slash 2g1p where, That's where all the fun
1: stuff is happening mm-hmm, we're it's talking pretty fun. about
0: guests are popping in we're following up on episodes sharing other ideas things about our personal lives and you can also find us on facebook which we occasionally go to we're two girls one podcast on facebook
1: we love you all talk See to you later. next time bye